The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. We are looking for a regular human black bill. Do you believe in the resurrection? Welcome to the Freeland Gazette, the unofficial Black Lightning podcast, a poppychuloradio.com original series, Poppy Chulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Wednesday, November 14th, 2018, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of the CW series, Black Lightning. Please welcome my co-hosts, Dimitri Wejasinger. What's good, Freeland fandom? Oh, I like that. Professor X. Hello, hello. And Rohan Mittal. Hello, Freeland. I like it. All right, let's jump into our recap of Season 2, Episode 5, which was titled The Book of Blood, Chapter 1, Requiem, and aired November 13th, 2018. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Jefferson and Anissa work together investigating the hometown of a creepy man at the clinic and make a shocking discovery. Meanwhile, with Cyanide gone, Tobias puts an increasing amount of pressure on Khalil to help fill some of the void left in the organization. Now, I will say that is the official synopsis, and I feel like some of that is very misleading based on what we saw in the episode. But I feel like they kind of did that to not let us in on uh, what happened in the first uh, sequence, maybe. So uh, let's check in on the ratings for Season 2, Episode 5. Black Lightning was viewed by 940,000 total viewers with a .3 in the demo, it was steady. So I want to get everyone's initial reaction to the episode, and I feel like I heard Rohan chiming in at one point. So Rohan, you may go first. Um, well, I chimed in because I said I agree when you mentioned that the episode description was misleading. Uh, because when you were actually reading the description, I... I, in my head, I was like, wait, did I watch the right episode? Because that doesn't sound like the episode that I watched. Uh, but, yeah, overall, uh, I really did like this episode. Um, really impressed me, especially because we'll get into specifics later, but I thought it was a very good episode with not much action. I believe the only action scene was at the beginning, which I'm sure we'll discuss, but... Uh, despite having no action, I thought this was a very well-made episode, which is, which all comes down to the writing. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again, I think this show is the best written show of all the DCTV uh, 
shows, and if somebody if somebody were to ask me, point to an episode uh, as an example of that, I would point to this is one of the episodes that I would point to as an example of strong writing in the DCTV shows. I like it, strong writing and not as actiony from Rohan. I like it, uh, Dimitri. What about you? This episode really had me in my feelings the whole time. Um, I agree. I agree with Rohan. It's this is probably one of the best uh, TV shows written out there, and um, this episode was no exception. Yeah, there wasn't actually a lot of action, but there was a lot of emotion, a lot of character development, and we got to see where a lot of different characters and their relationships with other characters were going. Um, sometimes in troubling directions with Jennifer and Khalil, sometimes in, you know, sort of tenuous but potentially hopeful directions with Thunder Grace or Grace and Anissa. Um, and obviously we're dealing with, uh, with some very sad times this episode, which we'll probably get into in a second. Yes. Boo to you. And you know what I'm talking about, Dimitri. Hate is going to hate. I know. I love that you're talking about yourself. Professor X, what about you? I liked it. Um, it, It's interesting, like, knowing that it is, you know, the book of, you know, volume one. It's clearly setting pieces in place for stuff that's coming up. And because there was so much place setting, um, it it may not have been quite as satisfactory uh, because, you know, they were clearly, you know, establishing, okay, this is going to be happening and this is going to be happening and keep an eye on this. This is going to be happening. Um, which I think diminished it a little bit, but overall, uh, you know, I think the decision to have the shocking reveal right at the beginning, uh, and then allow the characters to react to that over the course of the episode was a smart one rather than, you can see how a lot of shows would put that in at the end to leave people going, oh my god, did they just do that? What's gonna happen? Um, so I think that was, you know, a, a smart play. It led to some, you know, very powerful, uh, you know, performances, uh, from the characters. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, as was said, there wasn't a lot of action, but... Once you've spent the time developing the characters, you don't need as much action. All you need is the characters reacting to each other, and that will make for a strong episode. So, yeah, I think it was, it was quite a strong one. All right. There was, like, a slight sharp turnage from the professor, but then he brought it back. So, uh, I, I like that. I will co-sign with everyone. I thought it was an incredibly powerful episode, a very well-acted and well-written episode. We got a lot of information in this episode, but it was fascinating information, even though I still really don't know how to process some of the information from one of the storylines that I am dubbing The Secret of the Ooze, just because I have no idea what the hell that was. We're going to get into that way later on, because we have to cover uh, so much more before that. But uh, everything else was really fascinating, and uh, I'm really excited to chat with all of you about this episode. So before we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of Black Lightning, here's our announcer with a few special announcements. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasters discussing some of your favorite television shows. Visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts for a complete list of all the podcasts that we produce. You will get up-to-date information on whether the podcast is currently releasing new episodes or if it's on hiatus. You will also be able to click a link to either take you to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or the Poppy Chula Radio archives to download the podcast. 
To binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasts, visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts. Would you like to be one of the podcasters on this podcast discussing your favorite television show? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. We are always looking for new voices to add to our collection of podcasts. To become a co-host you must be at least 18 years old. You must be comfortable sharing your opinions. And you must be comfortable using Skype. There's no podcast experience required. So if you think you have what it takes to be a Poppy Chula Radio on-air personality, email talent at poppychularadio.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This is a Poppy Chula Radio special announcement. PoppyChuloRadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help. If you're a fan of Poppy Chulo Radio and its signature series, please visit GoFundMe.com slash PoppyChuloRadio and help us with our campaign. Every dollar amount donated will be improving the Poppy Chulo Radio experience and making it more interactive and user-friendly. We thank you in advance for your support. This has been a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. Thanks, announcer. So let's get into it. We're going to talk about that opening scene because we've got Gamby getting a free apple. Is that what it was? From a local uh, vendor and then driving and shots are fired. It's uh, they, they, they do a Tupac on him. With a car pulling up to the side, bang, bang, bang. Uh, fortunately, Gamby has a very protected car, but all those bullets uh, keep on uh, messing with the protection. And then all of a sudden, we see him crash into a gate, and the car flips to the side, and kaboom. And according to all the witnesses that are there, no one was seen escaping from the car before the kaboom so we're going to get into everyone's reaction to this uh, as far as the characters reactions to this in a moment right now i just want to focus on this scene in particular and what do you think it means is gamby dead now on this show sometimes dead is dead but sometimes dead is not dead there are many character. There are more characters that stay dead, though, than characters that don't stay dead. So, what does this mean? Is Gamby dead, Professor X? What do you think? That's a tough question. Um, standard comic book logic says until you have a body, they're not dead. And even when you do have a body, maybe they're not dead. But given, uh, you know, what uh, the other panelists were saying about the writing of this show, it's not your typical Arrowverse show. The writing is at a different level. And I do think that after what they put the characters through, what they put Jefferson through, uh, dealing with the consequences of the assumption that Gamby's dead, I, I my gut feeling is that we're meant to – and I, you know, I, it's tough because uh, I want to say that you know my gut feeling is he's actually dead. But I just don't see that they would waste uh, you know a character they spent that much time developing. But – yeah, I gotta say it. My gut feeling is he's dead. I just feel that these authors want to establish the stakes 
and want to show that uh, that you know this is the level of writing that goes on. Now, having said that, we didn't see a body, uh, you know. And as Jefferson said, uh, Gamby's contingencies have contingencies, um, so it's entirely possible he's out there. But I just got the feeling after this episode that uh, that they did kill him. Um, and if they didn't kill him, I'm going to feel it was uh, you know a cheap move on their part to put the characters and us through that. So I, I, this is going to come across entirely the wrong way. I hope he's dead because I hope they wouldn't pull the uh, the bullshit move of, of faking something like that and putting the characters through it unless they were willing to follow through and, and actually kill him, even though he's the only sympathetic white character in the show. All right. And Brittany Garcia has officially guessed it on the Freeland Gazette this season. For those out there that don't know, uh, Brittany, one of our co-hosts on other Arrowverse podcasts, loves to kill people, and uh, Professor X just killed Gamby. Uh, I hey, 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 mm-hmm. they killed Gamby. I'm just saying I think he's really dead. Brittany said, Brittany would have said last season, I hope they killed the Taylor. Well, maybe. Uh, but still, I didn't like your answer. So, Dimitri, give me a better answer. Is Gamby dead or not? What do you think? And what did you think of the sequence as well? Um. Well, to start off, I'm going to throw a quick minor shade for the tired trope of making the white guy look cultured to make him look cool that's like a trope we see a lot like he speaks a foreign language which is what gambi does he goes to i believe a japanese vendor speaks japanese and and he got a free apple he got a free apple out of that it's like they always speak a foreign language or they save an innocent black toddler or they have a minority best friend you know it, it it's tired and he's already like jefferson's white dad we didn't need that uh it's like a reverse flash scenario (laughs) reverse flash but anyway um quick shade for that the quick shade for the car like this guy has made anissa's suit he made jefferson's suit both of them can take a heavy amount of fire he couldn't make a bulletproof car that car goes from 36 percent to nine percent in like two seconds the call was kind of ratchet, I'm not going to lie. And it does seem kind of out of character. This is a guy who, you know, has a tailor shop, but is ready for anyone to, like, walk in and attack him in his shop. He's, you know, able to, you know, take out a bunch of bad guys with Anissa. You know, he never shies away from the action. So it does seem kind of out of character for him to go down like this. I do agree that they put us through a lot for them to suddenly not follow through on it. But given that we didn't have a body, we didn't really even see him panic that much in the few scenes we saw of his face. Given all of that, I'm leaning towards he's not dead, but they really they really pulling at our heartstrings with this one. Um yeah, and, and he is the only sympathetic white character on the show, which you know I know I know how much the professor dreads white white demons so uh, this is this is our one non-white demon uh, or white non-demon so it's gonna be a loss okay i liked half of your answer rohan let's see if you can bring it home is gamby dead or not um i hope he is i kid i kid what I is- oh, oh my god. god i kid i just wanted to see your guys' reactions oh, okay i thought the professor you got to you shit. <laughs> Um, so, I'm gonna echo the professor a little bit. Uh, not too much, I'm honestly please. not sure, because, of course, there's that... Now, okay, 
if I have to pick a side, if I have to pick a side, I'm gonna go, he's not dead. And that's simply because of the whole rule of no body, no death. And, uh, I mean, hell, in comic book shows, there's many times where there is a body and they, they still come back. So there's that. Uh, that being said, the way the episode played out, I'm not going to get into the rest of it, because when uh, when the accident or the hit happened and the car exploded, at that moment I was like, okay, he's he's not dead. He's going to come back in like two scenes. And uh, obviously we know he doesn't. And the way the characters process it, um, we'll get into specifics later, but the way they process it makes me, at a certain point, that's what brought me to like make me think is he dead and so i can't definitely definitively say that he's not dead but i believe that he is not if i have to choose a side it's he's uh, he's not dead i'm but i'm only about 60 percent confident in that uh i do want to mention the car a little bit like dimitri said uh i I feel like it should have just been a normal car because it, it was all like high tech where it's like structural integrity at this percentage and then this percentage or whatever. And it, it's like, oh, he has like a high tech car. But the only thing that's high tech about it is that it talks about the structural integrity. If it's such a cool car, why doesn't it have like guns in its back or whatever? And why is it looked like there were normal bullets that uh, pierced exactly? Why is this? car that can give you your structural integrity not bulletproof it, it i remained silent for too long the car was bulletproof you could see the crazing of the uh the bullets were hitting the window beside gamby and bouncing off so it, it was just that oh, it could okay. only take so much damage so Correct. i will not stand oh, okay. here while you guys besmirch the dead gamby he was a good man he built a good car and you guys are just crapping all over it Okay, see, why, Professor why X... Why got 99-cent bulletproofing, then? Professor X... Why, he, he, was even... against, he was up against a really heavy... Look at the gun they were using. This wasn't like a little handgun or something like that. This was like a Gatling <laughs> yes. gun. Professor yeah, X is winning agent, me back. Though. Professor yeah. X is getting back agent. into... He's a tailor. The he professor is getting back suit. into my good graces. Yeah. Um, either way, I still make a note because we're just hate, hate, hate. Yes, because make a note. Uh, whoever's in my good graces goes uh, first for MVP. I'm just saying. No yeah, that was a whole thing, but uh, so <laughs> kind of forgot where I was. But I was talking about the car. But I would have preferred if it was a normal car instead of a car that had that was talking to him. Because I feel like if they were to make it, a it special was car, not a talking car. It was not a talking car. It was just notifying him of the structural yeah. damage. Yeah, but like car, you know, cars don't do that. You would assume it'd be a special type of car, but it it wasn't that special. Well, yeah, Siri, don't talk about the structural integrity of my apartment. Like, it's she should. Well, maybe I should drop by with a machine gun, start peppering with bullets, and see if it does. You want? You want? Oh yeah. Oh, that's. Yeah. Uh, no, and, and honestly, like, you know, the whole <laughs> thing about the voice, that was just there, you know, to indicate to the audience. It was it was purely a storytelling device. Yes, it was yeah. a little clumsy, and, and they could have probably done the same thing by showing, you know, you know, crazing and bullet holes and stuff like that. 
but uh, you know, uh, yeah, purely as a storytelling that. thing, it was uh, it was. Uh, um, uh, I thought it worked, you know, just to sort of you know ramp up the tension and everything like that. It was unfortunately, you know, quite similar to the uh, you know uh, uh, Nick Fury scene in uh, Captain America. Uh, was it Winter Soldier? Civil I War. believe no, so. It was Winter Soldier. Yeah. Yes. Winter yes. Soldier. You know, and, and again, and that's what I kind of think is that you know by playing it in that way. Uh, I wonder whether it's the writers just messing with us. The assumption that we had that, oh, well, he's not really dead because obviously we haven't seen him. He went into the sewer. I feel like the writers of this show are fully capable of doing that with the knowledge that's what we're thinking. And they're just uh, messing with us. Yeah, I did have that in my notes that the writers are aware of the whole no body, no death rule. Yes, um, he's in the sewer. I was going to get into that later when we start talking more about Jefferson. But uh, it's cool that you brought it up, Professor X. Uh, great minds think alike. I like just, it. Oh, a new alliance as, is forming. Cool. Uh, just as an uh, aside, Jordan Calloway, who plays Khalil, did tweet, yep, he's gone. But he could also be messing with us. Because he's yeah. a pain. Killer. He's a bad guy now. So Yes. He's... Yeah, the old Khalil would never have messed with us on, on Twitter, but yes. this new guy. Khalil yeah, I mean... always wasn't shit. I'll leave him yeah. alone Yes, I don't approve of the bad uh, Khalil talk from Dimitri, at least. So, okay, <laughs> I, well, I will say this because um, everyone else didn't. Uh, Gamby's alive. I hope he's alive. I just love me some Gamby, and I can't have him be dead. They took away my Lady Eve. I'm not going to let you take away my Gamby. So there's that. And they also took away Lala, who I really enjoyed last season. And I feel like... Oh, I loved Lala. I know. I feel like he's somewhere out there... Are waiting to come back, but he's probably not. So um, I, they need to give me at least a win, and it has to be Gamby. So I, I feel like the writers wrote it and showed us everyone mourning Gamby just to surprise us and everyone be happy that Gamby is back. And not necessarily in the next episode. I hope they do drag this out a little bit, just so that it feels like a satisfying return. No, my emotions. My emotions can only take so much. I knew you cried. I was going to ask you, but now you just confirmed it. Totes cried. Yes. So let's talk about someone that really did cry in this episode. Let's talk about Jefferson and his storyline throughout this episode. We're going to focus on everyone else individually. So this is just Jefferson's side of uh, the Gamby coin. And... Uh, at the very start, when he gets the news from Henderson, he's a bit in, in denial. Uh, you know, when he starts talking to his family about it, he's like, no, it can't be, as Professor X said. You know, Gamby always has a plan. He always has a backup to a backup to a backup. And there's no way in hell that he is dead. You know, I am going to imagine him alive and well, and he will show up uh, at some point. That's how I feel. And uh, even when Lynn, you know, trying to do the best she can, you know, for her partner, she goes to Gamby's to, uh, you know, find a memento that uh, Jefferson can, can treasure. Uh, Jefferson's like, no, you know, what did you do? This is Gamby's. This belongs in Gamby's house. I'm going to take it back because this is Gamby's. And uh, after he goes to 
the local bar to get his drink on, and he gets into a, a fight. You know, his friend Two Bits and Henderson have to pull him off the guy. It, it's when he finally goes to Gamby's that he breaks down, and, and he truly accepts that Gamby is probably, maybe, could be, gone. And we have an awesome moment uh, with um, Jefferson and Anissa, because Anissa's there doing something else that we will get to later on. And uh, father and daughter, you know, embrace. And uh, it was a very touching, touching scene, beautifully acted by Cress Williams and uh, Nafisa Williams. They were just fantastic together. So, uh, Let's see. Uh, Rohan, talk to me about Jefferson in this episode. What did you think of his storyline? Did you find it appropriate that he would be the one out of all of them to not accept it from like the start? What did you think of Jefferson not wanting to accept the fact that Gamby could be gone? Uh, I actually really liked it because obviously, as we've seen in the show, Jefferson is the closest character to Gamby. Yes, everyone else is close to him, but Jefferson has known Gamby for the longest amount of years, and really Gamby's almost like a father figure to him, or he became almost a surrogate father after Jefferson's real father died. So I liked, and of course, as Jefferson has said, says in the episode, uh, Gamby has a backup plan for everything. So the fact that Jefferson does not accept Gamby's death instantly is actually very well done, in my opinion. And we had mentioned the, the rule earlier. So I'm going to talk a little bit more into Jefferson's arc in this episode, but we mentioned the rule earlier, the no body means no death. And the writers were, the writers, they, they effectively use this rule to put us into Jefferson's headspace. Because at the beginning, uh, Jefferson was also kind of like, you know, uh, until there's a body, I'm not going to believe it. And after it happens, at least for me, I was the same way. Like, yeah, uh, if they don't show Gamby actually dead, then I'm not going to believe that he is dead. But as the episode goes along, uh, Jefferson slips from, or he goes from uh, being oh, I know Gamby isn't dead, to uh, maybe he is dead. And me as an audience member, I, I do the same. I was very confident that he's not dead, but the fact that they didn't show it at all, and they showed all the characters in like, just complete mourning, I was like, by the end of the episode, I was like, is he dead? He might just be dead. So I feel like the writers use that rule uh, and they play, they know that we know that rule and they use it in a way for us to uh, basically feel the same way as Jefferson and empathize with the character of Jefferson, feel the same way that he does. Uh, so I think that was extremely well done and I gotta give them props to that. I loved all the Jefferson stuff in this episode. That's a really good point, too. Yeah, I agree. I like it. Professor X. 
Jefferson in this episode. Uh, what did you think of uh, of his storyline? And uh, in particular, were you happy to see Two Bits again? Very much so. Uh, I love the fact that, you know, you saw a Two-Bit interacting both with Jefferson and later with Black Lightning. Um, uh, Jefferson apparently sobers up really fast. Uh, I know, right? I, I like that. Uh, I loved his arc because, you know, uh, it, it's the it's it's the classic, you know, you know, you could probably, you know, chart him in the Kubler-Ross scale. But, you know, he basically started out with denial. No, Gamby's not really dead. He's always got a plan. He's got his contingencies and stuff like that. And gradually, you know, coming to accept it over the course of the episode, which is why I hope the writers aren't screwing with us. Um, that, uh, you know, they wouldn't put him through that for no reason. He basically was our proxy character to go through that because we also had the same assumption. Well, we didn't see him die and, oh, it looked like he was planning something right before the uh, car skid. Why did the car skid like that? You know, why, you know, if, you know, um, so we would, you know, ask all these questions and, you know, uh, Jefferson was basically there with our assumption and seeing him gradually go through the process of, uh, of, you know, the, the anger, uh, you know, uh, and, uh, and eventually acceptance. Uh, to get to that point, I'm wondering whether that was, you know, meant to be, you know, sort of play off the the audience assumption as well. Uh, but I really liked that. Uh, Cress Williams just really knocked out of the park in this episode because, you know, both the sort of, you know, laughing it off and then, you know, that scene uh, where uh, where Lynn comes back and he's, he's you know, just casually sitting on the couch because he's still in denial. No, Gammy's going to come back. And then getting the watch makes him realize, you know, the magnitude of it. Uh, and he's very harsh with Lynn. Um, and then, you know, he has, uh, his, his drunken moment and, you know, his, his breakdown at Gamby's, uh, he just, he played all those levels, uh, so well that, you know, he was clearly someone who was dealing with the loss of, of a beloved mentor and friend. And, and I think Cress Williams really conveyed that beautifully. Before we move on, Dimitri, any other thoughts, uh, anything else that you want to add about Jefferson or maybe even two bits? Um, I was I was gonna push back on the professor's terminology of you know a mentor and friend. I would say you know from I don't know twelve thirteen on, like Gamby was his dad, kind of, um, sort of in the same way that Joe is Barry's dad on on the Flash. And um, yeah, one thing that I really did appreciate was I feel like Jefferson, like one of his fatal flaws is he tends to fly off the rails a lot and damage his relationships with other characters um so i'm glad they didn't stretch out the scene where he's harsh with lynn because he tends to sometimes be irrationally harsh with some of the people he's closest to and i was like yo i I can't watch that again i understand what he's going through but like we've seen that so many times during the show and so i'm glad they quickly move him on to sort of facing his grief um and yeah, it's exactly like Professor and Rohan said, like it we go through it the same way he goes through it, and they do play off these tired tropes to to make us go through it with him, which I think is is brilliantly done. Shout out to the writing team for that. I like it. And yeah, well... in Jefferson's defense, when Lynn and uh, and Jennifer went to Gamby's uh, apartment and Lynn was going through and 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 took the watch, my thought was, what the hell are you doing stealing from a dead man? What <laughs> yeah, there is that. So I had the same reaction as Jefferson, despite my, you know, lack of connection to Gamby. I was thinking, what the hell? You can't just break into a dead person's apartment and take stuff. That is too funny. 
That's too funny. I thought Chris that, Williams did a fantastic job, so I will echo with that statement. Because, uh, man, especially once he uh, was at Gamby's. Uh, I mean, it's just incredibly powerful. And uh, Once he looks at the, the watch. Yeah, and we see the inscription. Oh, it's, with the picture. I know the picture. And I got to say, I love that we saw two bits again. It was like a little character from season one that kind of shows up. Every once in a while, it was great to see him again. I love the comedy of him with uh, Black Lightning. And we also find, found out, because I don't think we knew this in the previous season, that he owns that bar. So that's his bar. Uh, I thought that was uh, pretty awesome. So uh, it was great to see two bits again. So now we're going to move into a section that was pretty much built for Dimitri. We're going to talk about Anissa and Grace. And, Thunder uh, Grace! Yes. Is that the real hashtag? Or did you just that, make that up? That's what I've seen on Twitter. Okay. Well, you could have taken credit for it. I would not have known. So, thank you, Twitter, for that. So, alright. We get some stuff on the romantic front. Anissa, she is clearly shook by what happened to Gamby. And she immediately goes to Grace. And she uses a, a wonderful line. I don't know if it was fuckboyish, but it, I thought it was wonderful. I fell for it. She was like, you know, my uncle died. And I just thought to myself, you know, if I only had one day left to live, who would I spend it with without my family or besides my family? And it is you, Grace. And so they get all kissy. They get all sexy. They... Uh, you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. And then when they're done, Grace is like, damn it, man. I knew I shouldn't have fallen for this because all you're going to do is break my heart. And uh, they get it, go into it like back and forth. And Grace is like, tell me, be honest, you know, because every time you go through emotional stuff, you come at me. And then when things are all fine and dandy, you disappear. Tell me you aren't going to do this again and you aren't going to break my heart. And Anissa does the, uh, she hesitates, and Grace is like, I knew it, I knew it, I'm putting on my little booty shorts, and I'm walking out. And that's what she does. But when she walks out, <laughs> yes, but when she walks out, and she's all emotional, and you know how it is, and I, I'm telling you as in our listeners, you know how it is with these meta people, when they get all emotional, their meta powers start going, and I don't really even know how to explain this. But Grace gets spotty. She gets all these spots and stuff. It gets all cratery all over her body. I really don't know what that was. But she's obviously got some sort of meta thing going on. She pops a pill. She drinks some water. And it slowly starts to calm down. And her freaked out look on her face sort of calms down as well. I don't know what any of that means. I'm just as confused about this as I am about the secret of the ooze that we will be getting into a little bit later on. But Dimitri, you are, I would say, Thunder Grace's number one fan on the podcast. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe the professor might fight you on that. Oh, did you guys forget about me? Oh. I mean, I told you the way that Brittany is about... Oliver and Felicity on Arrow. That's what I am. Oh, yes, you uh, did say that. All right, so we're going to get into it. There will be a cage match to see who's the number one Thunder Grace fan. But, Dimitri, i got to start off with you. What did you think of this storyline? 
are you team Anissa? Are you team Grace? And what the hell is going on with Grace? Uh, so um, a quick Google search will reveal that Grace Choi is a hero in the comics. Yes. Um, so I, I think they're starting to build her story arc that way. And I am really excited about that. We don't have a lot of Asian superheroes out there. Um, and Chantal Tui, you know, has such a great presence on the show already. Um, and obviously, you know, then we get our super-powered lesbian couple who will just bring justice to all of Freeland. Um, so I'm excited about that. I um, I do think... I would say I'm leaning towards Team Grace. I was very sympathetic to Team Anissa, but then I was like, fuck you talking about? Like, you just started trying to holla at her again. And you're like... I was trying to think of the one person I would want to spend my last day with aside from my family. And I thought of you like you banged some random singer like three, four episodes ago. Now you're trying to holler like she your one true love. Like, come on, boo. Come on. So but that like, was a fuckboy line? I, I mean, she might genuinely feel it. I'm not ruling that out. But like her actions haven't exactly coincided. Um... It, it was a it was an iffy line, and even Grace throws shade back. She's like, "How am I supposed to respond to something like that?" Because it's like it's almost too much that you're throwing at her. Um, I do like that, you know. This time, uh, Vanessa went straight to Grace. They had, you know, a beautiful scene. Um, let's be was... honest. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Uh, I I feel like you prompted something, but I don't know what. Okay, well, I understood it. If Brittany was here, she would get it. Uh, just say it slowly in your mind later, and then you'll get it. Okay, well, um, they they had their beautiful scene. Punani was pumped. Um, they they had the they had the seemingly really tender scene initially. I think, and this was like kissing grace's shoulder and then grace is like i knew this was a mistake and i'm like no we just got thunder grace don't take it away but um i mean i do hear grace's concerns right like anissa has sort of burned her it's it did seem we've discussed in the past like she thought they were in a relationship even if anissa didn't um and then you know she's like promise you're not gonna hurt me again and anisha's sort of staring back like um about that and i was like yo come on and this is just just commit you know you two are meant to be all the viewers know you two are meant to be but uh i mean it looks like it's it's on tenuous footing i'm hoping they work through it and i think part of grace's misgivings is that you know she is a meta too and I have a sneaking suspicion that's what drove her family away because she does mention that her family has abandoned her um, Mm. and that might explain why she's so slow to trust but Anissa isn't helping right now Anissa you need to get on your A game come holla straight and Grace you need to let her in reveal your meta status so that you two can team up because Thunder Grace is going to save the day I'm here for it alright so we've got one who's on Team Grace. Rohan, are you Team Anissa or Team Grace? And uh, what did you think of that storyline? 
Um, I mean, I'm team Anissa and Grace. I just want them you to work be out. You can't both. Facts. <laughs> Facts. I just want them to work out whatever issues they're having and just uh, get together and stay together. Because they've gotten together, but it's the staying part that they're struggling with. Uh, but no, I, I do see both of the perspectives. Uh, I get why Anissa would go to Grace and... Whether or not she really meant what she said about spending uh, her last day with Grace, it is uh, in that moment I do believe that she she believes it because of how emotionally overwhelmed she was. And the fact that she goes to Grace is obviously telling because if she just wanted to um, be... Flash. If, yeah. If she just wanted that, she could have gone back to Singer Girl, or... Uh, she could use something battery-operated. Yeah. Uh, so, I do understand it. That being said, I, I did like Grace's response to uh, what do you expect me to say to that, because that is something in, intense for someone to uh, say to you, if you won't, especially because as far as we... As far as we've seen, they've seen each other maybe five times total. So the fact that Grace was a little taken aback, like, whoa, it makes sense. And I do understand Grace's concern when she, because she is worried because Anissa hasn't exactly, Anissa just kind of like sees her and then bounces for a while. And then she kind of comes back. So I do understand Grace's concern. It's like, are you just using me almost as a stress reliever she didn't say that but i feel like that was kind of the subtext of that scene it's a pretty good stress uh, reliever though can, can we uh, talk about her phrasing where she's like i'm not your handbag and i was like girl oh what yes. the hell do you do with your handbags like Thank well you. i'm not your accessory I, I, I kept expecting there to be a second line where she said you don't come back to me. what that there was no payoff to i'm not your handbag is this slang of which i'm on with which i'm unfamiliar i it bugged the hell out of me i had to go back and listen to it two or three times to make sure i'd heard those words and i still have no idea what the hell she meant don't you keep your handbag with you well i sort of <laughs> took it like i'm not your accessory like you can't just you know pull me out whenever you want whenever you you need it you know and then sort of tuck me away with the others maybe but i don't know maybe that's a reach you carry all the time Grace has sticky handbags. I'm gonna just put it out there. Oh, let's be honest. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, before uh, before I finish my thoughts, I do want to touch a little bit upon the the stuff that happened with Grace with her. Oh yes, give it to me. Yes, because uh, that looked gross as fuck. As, like, I'm sorry, Grace, but that was nasty. I really don't know what that was. She got like, what? she that got like cool. smallpox in front of us, or the measles. It was very weird. Um, I, so I don't understand what it is. Um, I don't. I don't really read the Black Lightning comics. Um, and I when that popped up, I didn't get it. I sort of wanted to Google it. But I didn't Google it because when it happened, I uh, my reaction was, "Oh, what is that?" And but not in a like, 
oh, what, what's going on? This is weird, but more of like, I don't know what's happening. This is weird, but I like it. And I don't want to go in the, co I didn't want to re look at the comics yeah, because if I did, it would unravel some of the mystery and I want the show to, I want the mystery to carry on in the show and have the show unravel it for me the way it's supposed to. Uh, but I am in for whatever it is. Well, you're on a podcast, so we will be talking about it, because I did do some research, and apparently she is a descendant of uh, the Amazons, you know, like Wonder Woman style. And Yeah, I do know about that. Yeah, and her power is, it's divine empowerment is what is what it's called in the comics besides that i really don't know uh but uh it she's supposed to have like maybe uh accelerated healing or, or things super like... strength resistance to injury yeah. accelerate healing your standard badass Resist power set. resistance to injury except when anissa breaks her heart Aww. except for the emotional yes single teardrop so, I don't know if they're going to go that route, because they would have to bring in, like, the Amazon, and I don't know if they're really There's no do. chance they're, doing, they're going that route. Yeah. Grace will have powers, and they might even be a similar power set, but they will be a completely different explanation. Probably the green light or something. she's taking pills to fight it, you don't take pills to fight your Amazon heritage. Okay, and also, there you go. the fact that she's developing this, and she can take some pills to keep it in, in line... You know, you don't just get pills if you're a one-of-a-kind situation. Does this mean there's more people out there like Grace and that there are doctors who are aware of that and are prescribing pills to keep those symptoms under control? Very well, interesting. Well, it could have been Where an has... anti-panic medication, right? Oh, it could like... be that, too. Could be. Where is Perenna during all of this? Hmm. Professor X, I was actually going to ask you next. Uh, I don't know if you have anything else to add as far as Anissa and Grace, but I do want to hear if you are a team Anissa or team Grace in this situation, since Rohan decided to cop out and say he's team both. Uh, well, because I'm not a coward. Uh, I'm team Grace. Um, I, oh, I appreciate uh, you know Anissa reaching out. I think when you lose someone really close to you, and Anissa was extremely close to her Uncle Gamby, uh, you know, it makes you reach out. Uh, but that said... You know, it, it is, you know, an emotional reaction and it's almost a cliche of, you know, you know, I don't want to be alone and reaching out to someone like that. And I think, you know, Grace has a reason to feel a little bit used in that situation because she has seen, you know, Anissa out, uh, you know, um, catting around uh, a little bit. And that's clearly not who Grace is. And, uh, you know, I think she did feel bad about giving in. And also, you know, it was really, you know, a great exchange between them, especially given, you know, the, the revealing of, uh, of of Grace and her spots. Because, you know, Grace was asking, you know, can you promise, you know, you'll never hurt me, you'll never do anything like this again. And much as some people, Dimitri, would say, Anissa, just say it. Anissa can't say that because she knows she's thunder. She knows that this is going to be something that affects her life just as it affected her father's life and her father's relationship with her mother. So she can't say that because she's basically still a good person and honest. And so she can't, you know, say the comforting lie that most of us would say in that situation. Um, Excuse me, Grace, there's a difference between being a superhero on the side and getting other Punani on the side. Those are two different things. Grace was asking more about, about the this. second second type of hurt okay i reiterate this is actually Brittany in disguise because exactly what Brittany would have said um hilarious 
but uh, but no, I mean, and the fact that, that you know, and and you know, most of us who've dated have been in those situations where you can say the easy thing and things will smooth over, or you can say the hard, truthful thing, and have to deal with the consequences. And Anissa chose to 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 basically, you know, and not admit it, you know, not say I can't promise that to you, honey, because I'm a superhero. She just, you know, couldn't make the the lie, and and I think that says a lot about Anissa. And you know, we've talked a little bit. Some of us have been, you know, had a problem with Anissa, you know, acting unlike her character from season one this felt a lot more like anissa from season one she was no longer sort of you know revved up with her superpowers and 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 preening and peacocking this was you know the the very substantial character that we saw who was you know going to school and working hard and and being a serious person um and uh and so i like that but i really do appreciate grace especially because we subsequently found out that she's hiding the secret. So, you know, she doesn't want to let anyone in that she doesn't completely trust. So I thought that made complete sense from Grace's point of view and how she would feel bad about herself for giving in to Anissa because she doesn't know Anissa well enough to trust Anissa with her secret. So she can't let her in. So you have two people who are excluding the other because of the secrets they're hiding, yet they're the two people who share that secret, which is, you know, sad and tragic, but they'll get together in the end. Come on, let's not kid ourselves. Exactly. Facts. But also, mm-hmm. she didn't have to say nothing. Like, we've been asked questions, like you said, like, in dating, you sometimes get asked tough questions. You don't want to give the easy lie answer, but you could say something like, "Look, I'll try. My life is really complicated right now." That's she wasn't thinking yeah, strange. She just but, like my life is really complicated. Staring, okay. staring blankly back is the worst answer. Like the worst. She answer. wasn't thinking straight because she was just done doing some hot sex. I mean, she didn't lose her vocal cords. She was after like, glowing. The afterglow ended quickly with Grace being like, I know this was a mistake. Well, yeah, she put on her her booty shorts and, and marched out the room. What do you expect? You um, would, too, with a blank stare. Well, there you go. I mean, I won't lie. I am Team Grace for those uh, playing at home as well. And uh, I think they're so cute together, so I hope that they uh, figure it out. Uh, they're just electric um no pun intended uh together they're fantastic so speaking of another ship that i like and dimitri's a huge hater about uh, jennifer and khalil so uh, we see jennifer sort of process did someone boo i did <laughs> uh, i don't like that well it wasn't me but also boo oh well boo to you yeah it was me so we see Jennifer processing the whole uh, Gamby thing as well, and uh, throughout the episode, we have little text messages and IMs from Khalil, because he is still very much smitten, and uh, we get a little bit of what happened when they were in the school together. She basically is like, you know, I, I'm I'm in prison, basically, and I just, I want to come back to school, I want to see my teachers, I want to be the queen of, uh, of um... Wait, what's the Garfield. Name? Garfield, there you go. I was about to call it Freeland High for a second. I want to be the king of Gar the Queen of Garfield and all that kind of stuff. And uh we do see that later on in the episode, Khalil does show up and he does, you know, the whole thing outside her bedroom window and uh you know, she's like, you know, you need to go. But he's like, I really want to check in on you. I heard about Gamby and whatnot. 
and he just sort of stares at her in like a little puppy dog kind of way and she's like what and he's like oh nothing and they have a cute little moment together that i approved of and i might be the only one uh, pr the professor hasn't chimed in as of yet but i, I will ask you first since i i know where the other two are headed in regards to these two. But what did you think of the small little bits that we got of Jennifer and of Khalil in this episode? We will be talking about Khalil and uh, Mr. Whale later on, so, so try to save those thoughts, just focusing specifically on these two together. What did you think of them? Do you find them adorable like I do? Are you rooting for them, or are you a hater like uh, Rohan and Dimitri? Well, I don't want to be lumped in with those two. So, no, I, I've always liked Khalil. Um, you know, I thought he was a great character at the beginning. Uh, he went through uh, some terrible stuff and, you know, didn't become the best person. But I've, I've always felt they're holding out the prospect of redemption for him. And I think Jennifer might be his key to redemption. I think he looks at her and he sees, you know, that, that childish belief, uh, childish, childlike belief. Um, you know, he, as far as we know, you know, Khalil and, and Jennifer are both still virgins. You know, they were going to, you know, have sex with each other. They were saving themselves for each other. And I think Khalil still on some level respects that and believes in that and sees Jennifer as, as you know, perhaps, you know, a touchstone to who he used to be. And, you know, seeing him in the sort of black and white flashback that you had when they were at school, him talking about, you know, uh, what Tobias did to him. Uh, you know, and then the fact that, you know, even though he is strong and has power, he's, you know, being kept down by Tobias. And I think he's he's looking for an escape and Jennifer might be that escape. Um, I don't think it'll end well for them. You know, as much as I love them together and as much as I would like this to be a redemption arc, what I suspect will happen is that uh, Khalil will try to save Jennifer and, and be killed in the process. But uh, I think he he is going to get a redemption arc of some sort. I just don't think they'll ever end up together. The professor has killed another character in the space. I'm just uh, saying, why did this is my way of, of pleasing the other two sadistic members of the uh, the panel? Who so so you're happy because I'm saying I like them together, and yes. they're happy because I'm killing Khalil. So oh, you're playing both sides. I see what you're doing. I like it. I thought they were. I think Khalil's gonna die. Oh, well, Rohan, I was gonna pick on you next. So continue on. What did you think of them? Obviously, I know you are extremely biased on them not being together as opposed to me, which who hopes that they uh, end up uh, reuniting and uh, she brings them back to the side of good. But what did you think of this? And uh, well, I can't ask you, are you hopeful that they get back together? Cause you're not. So what did you think of this storyline? Um, I, I actually liked the storyline despite not wanting them as a couple. Uh, quick question. Were you saving the other stuff with Khalil until later? Or oh, yes. We'll be talking about, about Whale and Khalil also. in a moment. Okay. Uh, then I'll I'll talk about his stuff uh, with Whale later. because. But uh, the reason I was bringing it up, because I do think it ties well with the uh, Jennifer storyline, with what Khalil is struggling through in this episode. Uh, but I did hint at, I think, as the season goes along, eventually Khalil... Uh, will die, and I believe that's going to be his redemption. Well, damn. Eventually. So you're yeah. taking Dark, a job away. You're taking a job away from Jordan Calloway. 
I will yeah. make sure he tweets at you. He can, he can always go back to Riverdale. Okay, well, there's that. Dimitri, oh, do I need to hear... <laughs> I know, he's savage, right? Oh, man, Riverdale. <laughs> Yala, Grammy. Um, I know, he's I'm savage. A... Dimitri, do I want to hear what you have to say? Um, well... First, let me do a quick shout out to Jordan Calloway. Um, where at the first scene that Khalil appears, where well, uh, sort of the first non-flashback scene where Khalil appears, someone calls him knockoff Bob Marley. I made a joke about it on Twitter, and Jordan Calloway liked it. So, uh, props to him for being a good, uh, good sport. I uh, I throw a lot of trash Khalil's way and uh, seems to take it in stride. He could just be preparing a dart for me in his spare time, but uh, but props to him for that. And props to the whole cast, actually. They really do a good job of interacting oh, with the fans. Oh, he's a great actor. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's doing a fantastic job on this show. His character, on the other hand. I love um, how you're both sucking up to Khalil now. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I actually I'm with Rohan. Even though I don't like Khalil, I thought the whole like checking on her after Gamby was was a decent move on his part, you know, a sign of slightly non fuckboy tendencies. Um I still don't ship them at all. I'm I'm curious, Professor, what what role did you think virginity played into it? Because I I didn't really think that was that was something that factored in. Because they're both they still both innocent. Possible. Yeah, exactly. They still have that innocence. They were saving themselves for each other. And honestly, I think that Khalil, despite everything he's gone through, is still a virgin. I think he's saving himself for Jennifer, even though he doesn't need to. You know, he's obviously, you know, ripped and jacked and, and you know, uh, a, a fine-looking man. But I think he's saving himself for Jennifer because he still believes in that. Just, you know, Jennifer is still saving herself, not necessarily for Khalil, but because she hasn't done it yet. And Khalil was the one person she trusted enough to do that with. How? So I think that, and if that's true, and if we find out it is true, I think that will say a lot to Khalil's character that there is still a lot more Khalil in there than simply Painkiller. But, he, I mean, he hasn't had a chance to... Oh, sure, he's had a chance for... He cyanide. was paralyzed, and now he is an enforcer for not cyanide. the most dude. It's not like he's, he's on OKC. Like great-looking guy who has enough free time to get sex, and probably, you know, through Tobias, would know all the prostitutes in a, a four-block radius. There is no question that if he wanted to have sex, he could have... Take a look at him. For God's sakes, he could have sex he, just with any random person walking dude, down the street. But like, I mean, shout out to if, all the prostitutes within a four-block radius. Pants, he's still guilty of murder. He's not innocent. Like he has. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not talking people. about innocence in that sense. I'm talking about a different kind of innocence. Sexual. And 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 I think that that says something about the fact that. You know, he's still, you know, the the original Khalil. Because if you think back to Khalil in the first season, he was, you know, he was he was the uh, the straight ahead, hardworking student. He was the one who was, you know, embarrassed to meet, you know, to to when uh, Jefferson found out that he was dating his daughter. Um, you know, he was he was sort of the the Ray Palmer character, if you will, to put it in in terms of another show. And I think there's still some evidence of that, like when he came up on the uh, 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 up to uh to her window just to check on her now again you can see that as you know oh he's he's being a bad person he thinks she's vulnerable but the fact that he didn't do anything that he was just there they did seem at least to just be there to check on her i think still shows that 
at his heart, he's still got, uh, you know, uh, a sliver or a dart, if you will, of that innocence. And I think uh. that's reason for hope. And Dimitri, you didn't, like, the googly eyes didn't get to you. Weren't you like, aww? I mean, he he's just a handsome person. Like, Who that... could have sex with anyone he wants, oh and therefore if he hasn't, it shows that he's saving himself. But, like, you can have Punani all around the board and... You know, that doesn't really mean you're a good person or a bad person. Like, Khalil, I, I feel like, is this on? He killed people. Like, if Jennifer hadn't shown up, Black Lightning would be dead. He killed the the dealer that wasn't paying Tobias on time. Like, that was by accident. That Yeah, exactly. That was an accident. You could see in his eyes. I don't know about that. He kind of walks away from that, like, whoop. I don't care. Uh, he, his, his face is expressionless when he walks away from that guy's body. Like, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm still not expressionless when he walked away, but you could see the reaction. And again, this gets back to what a good actor he is. Um, I thought in the moment when he realized what he'd done, you saw the, the, the shock of realizing, Oh God, I just killed this guy. Uh, and then he, he turned hard because he had to look hard, uh, to the other guys around him to basically say this wasn't this was no thing uh, you know I just killed that guy it's no big deal uh, but and again we talked about that in the episode I thought that was a great bit of acting he was you know really transmitting you know the uh, the tension that his character was going through so that's that's part of why I still think there's there's hope for redemption for him I don't think he's as completely far gone all right and I agree with the professor so, moving And to be fair, on. if your complaint is that he, he killed Black Lightning, he was probably thinking like you guys were, well, Gamby built such a great suit. It's got to be bulletproof or dartproof. Well, maybe not. Well, there you go. So, let's move into a tiny storyline. But it was an interesting one, nonetheless. Let's talk about Dr. Jace. So, at the start of this storyline, we learn that uh, they have created a formula that will cure green light or not the green light but the the pod children and uh, will uh, bring them back to life and and it should work and all this that or the other but then once they've done some simulations and whatnot they realize that there's a very low percentage of uh, the pod people that will stay alive so it looks like it's a no-go. And uh, Lynn basically tells Dr. Jace, like, no, like, I want them all to live. We can't do this. Like, we can't implement this at all. And so Dr. Jace returns after some time of figuring things out. And she's like, well, if we double this and if we treat them all as, like, one whole unit, everyone will survive. You know, we will, you know... We, everyone will win, everyone will survive, uh, everything will be fine. And uh, she runs through a little model and whatnot, and Lynn is like, all right, let's do this. And so they uh, administer this new serum, and everyone lights up. It looks like it's all working, and then slowly there's a pod that dies, another pod person that dies, and another, and another, and another. And uh, Lynn is like, what the hell? You know, we saw the results. And Dr. Jace is like, you saw what you wanted to see. But uh, the fact is that we have 14 that will survive. And you should see that as a success because that's 14 that are alive as opposed to all of them being dead. And uh, Lynn becomes a badass and she 
punches the shit out of Dr. Jace and basically yells at the guards, take her away to the hole in which you found her. (laughs) Dr. Jace is like, they're 14 alive, you bitch. It's fantastic. So what does this mean? Rohan, what did you think of this storyline? And uh, I feel like it's a dumb question to ask because I I know we all didn't trust Dr. Jace from the beginning. But were you surprised by what Dr. Jace did? Um, no, I actually wasn't surprised. Uh, actually, I believe when they introduced her, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but they mentioned about her doing something, some experiments, and like half of them dying as yes. well in that experiment. Yes. Or a lot so, of them did, yeah. So the fact that they set it up, because 14 out of 28 uh, survived, so meaning half of them died. Uh, the fact that they literally kind of told us, yeah, she she will kill half of them to save the other half is, uh, I thought it was, I thought it was a uh, nice, uh, uh, I thought it was a cool callback to her introduction. And as for the kids, I, I do hope this is not the last we see of Dr. Jace. I want a little bit more with that character because I, I liked the actress portraying her, and I think there could still be some interesting stuff explored with her. That being said, I'm not exactly sure where they would go from here. As for 14 of the pod kids dying, uh, this is going to sound very dark, but I actually like that they died. Oh. <laughs> now, before you guys are like, what? Uh, I like it from a story perspective. Because I knew was a killer. Because it makes the storyline more interesting and it actually feels like a significant development because when we had cut back to them it did start feeling stale it didn't really feel like the storyline was going anywhere it was just okay lynn and jace are working and they're they're working some more and working some more and now boom half of them are dead it was like oh wow there's actually stuff happening now so it, this was a significant jump in story development as compared to the other episodes, where the only other significant jump was when they brought in Dr. Jace. So that's why I liked the fact that they killed half the kids. Uh, obviously not because kids died, that's horrible, but because uh, it's good from a narrative point of view. Okay. Hashtag Guys, plot I think twist. we should murder Rohan. I know. I was just, supposed to say, just to keep the podcast interesting. Rohan is a stone cold <laughs> killer. I love it. It's a plot twist that we did not expect. I will open it up to the floor. Uh, any other thoughts on the pod people or Dr. Jace before we move into another short storyline? Uh, I agree with Rohan uh, to the extent that, you know, uh, at least this sort of resolves the fact that, you know, if they, if they, you know, try to stretch it out much longer of Lynn just, you know, working away with a bunch of impassive faces in boxes, uh, it would have been tedious. Now we're going to have at least half of them getting out, and, um, uh, and, and we can see the consequences that arise from that. Uh, I don't know that I need to see Dr. Jace come back, uh, but as I said, you know, when they introduced her, you know, kudos... Uh, for, you know, the progressive nature of realizing that, you know, women can be white devils just as much as men. So, I will miss her. Shout out to the white female devils of the world. I I actually do have a Looking small Looking at you, Ann Coulter. <laughs> yes, Rohan. 
Um, yeah, I, I had written it down, but I forgot to mention. So there's 14 of them. I believe that seven of them are er, are going to be good, and seven of them are going to be not necessarily evil, but manipulated, similar to how Khalil was manipulated by Tobias. And I think it would be really cool if later on in the season we get a confrontation of uh, Jennifer leading her seven versus Khalil leading his seven. Uh, that, I think that would actually be really cool to see that in the season. All right, a bold prediction from Rohan. So, continuing on, this is another small storyline, but uh, I feel like they're dropping the seeds of things to come. We learn a little bit about uh, Whale's uh, rehabilitation into society, I guess, and it turns out we get a nugget of info from what's inside the infamous briefcase, and... At least from the info that we got, it doesn't seem like it's all that besides just like blackmail dirt on probably everybody that's in power in Freeland, which uh, is interesting, but it's not as interesting as it being something else, at least for me. So he's got a council person there, and uh, basically uh, once uh, Whale is like, you know, I know all this and that or the other, uh, do you want your constituents to know that? And he's like, if you didn't know, you belong to me now. And so we see this council person announced later on in the episode via a press conference that an anonymous donor has donated money so that uh, the clinic can move from the dangerous side of Freeland to a, a new location, state-of-the-art stuff, you know, uh, additional people working there and whatnot and uh, someone from the press is like you know I heard a rumor that uh, the anonymous donor is Tobias Whale and uh, the councilman is like no you know that's why it's anonymous I'm not telling you and that kind of thing he doesn't and, say no though well he says it's anonymous so uh, so you know what that means and that kind of thing and we see Tobias's reaction to that and he's like basically you know my plan is in motion and we learn that obviously this press person was paid off by whale there's a great moment between Tobias and Khalil where Tobias goes over the loss that he's had he lost uh, that horrible Joey guy and his sister and then cyanide and he had planned this meal for the anniversary in which he acquired cyanide but obviously she's dead and we see that tobias really is holding this over khalil like he blames khalil for cyanide's death but because khalil is the only person there that he sees as family you know he's basically just threatening him that if you ever disappoint me again i will kill you basically and uh, I'm trying to think. That's pretty much all of the Whale storyline, right? Yeah, that, I think that was all of what Whale did in this episode. So, Dimitri, what did you think of the Whale storyline? Do you think it's just him trying to get as much power as he can in Freeland? Uh, we didn't really get at all sort of like a glimmer of what he's trying to do. But for some reason, he wants to move the clinic to a different location. 
Yeah, I mean, it was clearly it was clearly one of those anonymous but not really anonymous moments where he had engineered it to uh, to be like, oh, it's anonymous, but yo, word on the street is it's that guy. What a guy, right? Like it it um it seems like you know he's gonna you know really foster this image of oh this wronged man who was finally exonerated and now look how much he's doing to be an upstanding citizen uh let's take a moment to acknowledge the fact that tobias hates black people so much that he literally just funded white flight uh in terms of the clinic but um it's uh i think he's really gonna embrace the fact that he doesn't have to hide and come out into the open and you know while running while running the the scenes in the background you know with the underworld gonna really build himself up sort of lex luther style to be like this for mayor yeah yeah i wouldn't be surprised if he tries to do something like that but just sort of you know um building himself up to be to be an upstanding citizen again and probably building his connections doing that as well uh this was one of the few moments where i felt a whole lot of sympathy for khalil because i feel like tobias tells him he ain't shit or threatens his life like once every 30 minutes of of black lightning um and he he starts out being like hey come here you ever had caviar and then it's like you know i could kill you i'll, I'll kill you and and khalil never gets caviar and I mean, no, he doesn't. I, even though that was that wonderful little story of like, you know, they say you never forget when you had caviar for the first time. And I was like, okay, so is Khalil gonna get some caviar? And he never got the damn he caviar. He never gets caviar. He's never gonna forget the first time he was denied caviar. Yeah, that poor like, dude, man. Get out of here! You make me sick. I'm losing my appetite. <laughs> you, you are. Like that was very intentional of Tobias. Uh, kind of like by not giving him the caviar, he's uh, in a way implying that he is not satisfied at all with Khalil's work. I mean, he says it also, Ooh, but yeah. it was kind of like a, you'll get caviar when you do a good job. Yeah, or as Dimitri said, you ain't shit. But like, also, I mean, who who's the competition? Like, if you gotta choose employee of the month, it's gotta be Khalil, cause you dead ass killed everybody else. Like, we'll know who give it to himself. He, I guess, yeah. He he has nobody. He's killing people left, right, and center, and then being like, "I'm stuck with your ass, and you ain't shit." Like, I mean, pay attention to turnover in your organization, sir. That's too funny. I will open the floor to talking about whale and if you want to talk about whale and khalil as well before we move on to the final storyline anything else to add um, the way i sorry, sorry go ahead oh okay thanks uh so i had mentioned this earlier that i wanted to talk about khalil uh and the way they're handling his relationship with jennifer and uh his and uh his relationship with tobias and i feel like with Khalil, his struggle in this episode and in this season has been between uh, his love for Jennifer and his fear of Tobias. And Tobias is obviously in every episode pressuring him and pressuring him, but we see Khalil still wanting to be 
with Jennifer and that is creating a lot of internal conflict within him and I'm interested in seeing I'm interested to see where that internal conflict uh, goes eventually I think it is going to and that's another reason why I think he will die because I feel that he is eventually going to figure out about Jen uh, figure out she has powers and as a result he will connect the dots and realize that Jefferson is Black Lightning and uh, because he's feeling the pressure to do better with from Tobias, he is going to... Tobias will figure out Jefferson is Black Lightning through him. And this is all stuff I think is going to happen way down the road in this season. And eventually I feel that in that... Uh, right now he has to choose between uh, being Tobias's lackey and being uh, Jennifer's lover and that event that struggle is going to be what ultimately get him gets him killed at the end because he's going to uh screw up and he's gonna try to fix it with jennifer and tobias is gonna kill him good grief i rebuke all of that like how many times has khalil been killed during this podcast like what the hell professor x you were gonna say something um, yeah, I just I, I find the uh, the relationship between uh, Tobias and Khalil to basically be you know it, it's like the way some people treat their dogs, and this is going to sound very bad towards Khalil, but if you have like a big dog like a pit bull, there are people who will you know ruthlessly punish the pit bull and try to keep it cowed to establish their uh, their position as the alpha dog, and I think that's what Tobias is doing. He's continually beating down. Uh, Khalil keeping him cowed because he realizes that Khalil is dangerous and if Khalil realizes that himself he will turn on Tobias so what Tobias is trying to do is keep the upper hand uh, by by continually punishing him uh, in this way and I think that you know you will eventually reach the point where Khalil does turn on him as a result uh, I think it's a matter of, of Tobias overplaying his hand now when that happens will that result in Tobias's death or Khalil's Probably Khalil's, because I think Tobias is the sort of character you want to keep around as a big bad uh, going forward. But I, I think that's going to end up, you know, backfiring uh, on Tobias, that he's he's overplaying his hand, that he's uh, he's basically, you know, just being too much of uh, uh, of a jerk in his relations to uh, to Khalil, who will turn on him as a result. OK, that's interesting. More death for Khalil. But, um, alright, I like what everyone has said. It sounds fascinating. I'm sure one of you is right, or maybe pieces of each of you is correct, and we'll see some of that play out throughout the rest of the season. So let's get into this final storyline that I dubbed The Secret of the Ooze, and it starts off at the clinic. We learn that Anissa has, uh, I don't really understand this. Is she volunteering, or is she, she's getting paid for this, right? I'm not sure, but let's all take a moment to appreciate us finally getting to see Dr. Anissa. Yes. Which I thought yeah, was like, really is cool. Is she officially a doctor? Wasn't she still studying just a few months ago? Maybe. I she, mean, medical she's... students do assist in real procedures, and I enjoy yeah. seeing generous helpings of black excellence. I thought it was really dope. I like it. And we're introduced to two patients. We have uh, a uh, boyfriend, I'm assuming the baby daddy 
who's very nervous, and uh, we've got uh, the mother to be, who uh, is just nervous about uh, you know being a good mother. We have some great advice from Anissa, and, and it looks you know just all normal routine checkup and that kind of thing. But later on in the episode, he returns, and um, he's got those were like puncture holes or something like that in his face that were kind of bloody and he collapses and he dies in Anissa's arms like immediately when he arrives into the hospital and he basically is like like you need to find her you need to you know save the baby or something like that and when the police arrive Henderson is there and uh, he's questioning Anissa and whatnot it turns out that we learn that they're from South Freeland who knew there was a South Freeland but I love that we that we know this now and they notice that this gray ooze starts seeping out of those puncture wounds in his face and Anissa collects some of it it looks like um Terminator 2 what was what was he the T one thousand T3000 T3000 it looked like him inside that little thing and we see Anissa doing some research we see the thing in the in the jar and it's moving all around and uh, we see images of him on um, like the metro and uh, we have Anissa going into South Freeland she's driving by herself and she's looking for the girl the 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 mother to be she feels like you know maybe there was an accident or something and then maybe they're on the side of the road or whatnot and then the police lights you know go on behind her she gets pulled over and the cop is basically like you know you're a long way from home like you're not supposed to be here and uh he's like you're not supposed to be going where where you think you're going and she's like how do you know where i'm going and then all of a sudden we see his face you know, it, um, I don't really know how to describe it. Like, it looks like he's got worms in his face and it's all like, you know, moving around. Like he's got a parasite in him or something. All of a sudden there are, I'm assuming people that are running really fast around the vehicle. And basically, and this is like, oh, fuck this shit. And she t- turns around, and she drives home. What the hell is this? Obviously, this who, is the next mystery. Who knew that mystery. was an option? I know, right? It, like, obviously, this is the next mystery. So, uh, Professor X, I will start off with you. What the hell is going on? Are you intrigued? Do you know anything from the comics? What? What? What is this? Uh, no idea from the comics. Um, this could be uh, anything. I think maybe it's just not the you know the chance to get you know. Uh, Black Lightning and Thunder uh, out of uh, Freeland and into, you know, South Freeland, which, you know, who knows uh, what that will be, will turn out to be. A couple of interesting things about this, uh, you know, during that scene with, uh, you know, the, the pregnant woman and the uh, the boyfriend who later turned up dead. Uh, when we saw that scene, uh, you know, he, he was, you know, very skittish. He was very hostile. And I thought it was because, you know, the clinic had been bombed before. But later we realized that maybe it's because of this whole uh, thing involving um, the, uh, you know, these parasites or worms or whatever they are. Uh, we also know that whatever South Freeland is, apparently it has a subway, so that's interesting. 
Um, but uh, the other thing that I kind of want to draw attention to, you know, in case it uh, escapes notice, is that, you know, uh, Anissa basically goes to Gamby's, you know, place to use his computers and, and do the research and, and track this guy down. Uh, and then, of course, you know, Jefferson shows up upstairs and is crying and she goes up and, and she doesn't tell him what she was doing. She doesn't, she's not, she basically hides the fact that she was doing that. She, uh, she just, you know, basically leads him to believe that, oh yeah, I was here to remember him too. Uh, and in fact, gets him to leave earlier than she does so that she can continue doing her research. So again, we're getting that sense that, you know, Anissa is doing stuff behind her dad's back. Um, I think at some point she's going to have to bring him in and, and, you know, find out what's going on. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's weird. Like, you know, when you're watching black lightning to, ha- to have the realization that the, uh, the, uh, the white cop, you know, wasn't just your run of the mill mill racist, but apparently was being controlled by something. I th- had a, a vague sense of relief. Oh, thank God. At least he's being controlled by something. He's not just another white devil. Well, there you um, go. yeah, but he was, he was, you know, because up to that point he was just your, your typical, you know, white Southern sheriff, uh, even though I'm not sure what state. Uh, Freeland is in, uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's it, it's interesting. And but I do think they're they're definitely setting that up. Um, as to what that is, no idea. But uh, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I think it's it's I think it'll it'll fill at least you know three or four episodes worth of arc. See, what's interesting is I completely get how you interpreted the scene with Anissa and Jefferson, but I took it a different way. I took it as the daughter noticing that her father is obviously not in the right state of mind, and that's why she didn't tell him at that moment. But when... Oh, interesting. Wrong, yeah. but interesting. Oh, gosh. But when, you know, he's more composed, she'll fill him in, maybe once she's done a little bit more uh, research on what's going on. But uh, maybe it, it's it's your way. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Any other thoughts on what the hell is going on with the secret of the ooze? This is sort of more of an aside, but do we think that maybe South Freeland is the more uh, white part of Freeland? Because someone mentioned, I think Two Bits mentions that, um, possibly jokingly, that Gamby was the only white dude in Freeland. And, you know, if if Freeland is, you know, sort of that non-white, you, you would think an interracial couple, which I believe this couple was, Deacon was... I'm assuming white and um the girl who comes in was black. Um You don't so, say. I was trying to remember her name. Uh um, Anaya. Is so, you know, if they're from South Freeland, maybe, you know, they're from possibly a more affluent, likely a whiter area. And you know, will that make it harder for Jefferson and Anissa to investigate in that region? That's a good point, and you know, sort of taking Black Lightning out of the uh, the neighborhood where he's Black Jesus. I think it would be more interesting if they went to South Freeland and it's basically white trash. Uh, you know, uh, you know, a sort of a dispossessed white class. I think it, it would be sort of easy to go to South Freeland and it's you know the the upper crust white people. I think it would be much more interesting if they went to it and found that it was you know uh, you know white people who were also suffering uh, and dealing with the same problems as the Black people in Freeland. Um, so, you know, sort of establishing that it's, it's more a class issue than a race issue. Um, so I would find that more interesting myself, but as I say, they apparently do have a subway, so not the subway shop. I mean, an actual underground transportation system. Yeah. That's the bougie side. Very interesting. Uh, 
any other thoughts, Rohan, or anything? Any theories or any uh, just uh, interesting uh, uh, reflections on <laughs> this storyline? Um, I I don't really have theories because I got no clue what this is, but it's cool and I'm intrigued and clearly that's what the goal was, so they accomplished their goal, at least for me. Well, alright. So now it is time for the MVP, the most valuable player. Which character impressed you the most and why? The rules are simple. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. And if someone has already mentioned the character that you were going to choose, you must select a different one. And just because I've agreed with a lot of stuff that he says, and he's not a hater on certain ships, uh, Professor X, you may go first. Oh, you know, I, I really wish you hadn't chosen me because... I want to choose the obvious choice, but I was going to choose another choice that just would have pissed off my fellow panelists. But given the chance to choose the obvious choice, I'm going to choose Jefferson. Um, he he played it so well, uh, all the stages of grief. Um, you know, his drunk scene was great. And even when drunk, he was still totally badass. Took the guy down with two severe shots. Um, uh, he, he was just fantastic throughout so yeah I, I don't always like giving it to the 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 titular character but uh yeah jefferson pierce was phenomenal in this episode i like it well you probably took one of theirs so uh high five uh, i'm it's assuming taunting in that respect sure yes i'm assuming uh your other mvp or the one that you were going to choose uh began with a special k indeed there you go okay yeah and just like the cereal he ain't shit Oh my. It's a healthy, low-fat alternative. Yes. Well, because uh, Rohan did not interrupt. Uh, Rohan, you may go next. Um, so, I'm going to give it to Gamby. Uh, for those because... three minutes? Yeah. I mean, because for all we know, it might be the last three minutes he gets in Black Lightning. Rohan, you ain't oh. shit. Rohan you're a killer. <laughs> You so, are a stone-cold I mean, killer. Like, if it is, then... Uh, if it is, then I gotta give it... I gotta give him a shout-out. You know, because it might just be his... He might actually be dead. That's literally the reason why I'm giving it to him, because he might have died. Wow. I had no idea Rohan was a killer, but uh, everyone watch your back. When you're around Rohan, he will slice you. He will murk you. And uh, he won't even think about it. Dimitri, your MVP and why? I'm oh, the obvious one. Haters gonna hate. I'm gonna give it to Thunder. I'm gonna bring up a risk that she's taking that we haven't discussed so far. In that she took a job, you know, as a civilian at the clinic. Which means she's now gonna be working closely with the Reverend who she's been visiting in a black hoodie and a black face mask to be a mysterious donor. So it's possible that she's putting herself in danger of being recognized. Um, and, you know, there's some interesting potential implications of that. Also, you know, shout out for, you know, not only being a hero, you know, but also trying to do good with your day job. You know, she's a medical student. I'm, She's mentioned that her class schedule is hectic and she's still like, look, volunteers are are down in the clinic and I'm going to help out. So shout out for that. Also, a shout out to Jennifer. I'm 
I really love that moment where she had to take that online test and it was like, are you still there? And she goes off like, where the hell else am I going to be? And just there's this like hilarious rant at the computer. So um, I thought that was like a, a pretty good scene stealing moment. So uh, shout outs to Jennifer as well. Was that you trying to covertly sneak in a second MVP? Because I will not have this. Yeah, over on the Flash podcast, we don't allow that sort of bullshit. I'm just saying, some podcasts are run a little better than others, apparently. Well, that Look, was shade the, for me. The Pierce sister continuum is the MVP. I don't approve. But um, I will choose Khalil, since he was left. And uh, for all the reasons that Professor X would have chosen him, I just love Jordan Calloway in this role. He's really bringing it. I love that he's in love with Jennifer. I, I love that moment with them together. And like he didn't even have to say much, but I was like, oh, you love her. That was just fantastic. And I loved his moment with uh, Whale because uh, you could see in just Khalil's acting, like he's very shook whenever he's by Whale. And I don't think he realizes, as Professor X stated, the power that he has and what he can do to whale i i still feel like he sees whale as kind of his superior and someone that's super powered that can take him out and i can't wait until he finally realizes that he can do a lot of damage himself um, so i like where they're going with the storyline i hope that it's headed into a, a redemptive arc and i hope that it's not a redemptive arc in which he dies just to piss rohan and dimitri off because that will give me eternal satisfaction so i hope so too i hope he dies unredeemed because he's a fuckboy. boy oh my gosh that's not what i said so uh for all those reasons and so much more i'm going to give my mvp to khalil so now it is time to rate the episode how would you rate this episode on a scale of one to ten electrical bolts the point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted electrical force field. Rohan can be a little bit of a picky bitch, so I'm going to have you go first. Okay, so this episode gave us a lot. It, or it killed off, maybe maybe kill oh off a gosh. major character. But assuming Gambi is... Assuming that he is dead, the, the emotion that the episode gave us was significant. Like, I really felt, and I really got into Jefferson's headspace. Everyone brought their A-game uh, in terms of performances. Uh, the pod kids, it was a storyline that was getting a little stagnant, and they threw... Uh, not necessarily a twist, but it, they threw kind of like a plot thickener in that storyline. Uh, Anissa with Clinic and with Grace, I think her character is growing, and obviously introduced the, the mysterious skin stuff with Grace, and even with the cop later, and all that stuff. I don't know what it is, but it's, it's very intriguing, and I'm in it. And this episode, another thing this episode gave me that I wanted was I want Khalil to die this episode makes me believe that Khalil will die eventually wow. it's <laughs> it's giving me everything I want and it, doing it in such a well it's so well written very little action but that one car chase was pretty cool 
So I'm gonna give it a ten. Oh wow! All right, a solid ten. So it was missing just a little bit to take it to the next level. Uh, so I mean, with the next level, maybe just a few more deaths. Apparently. <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna go full with Game of Thrones Red Wedding for it to give me the whatever the electrical it's force called. field. Okay. Yes. Jordan so, Calloway. So you no. watched the Red Wedding and you were like, yeah. Um, honestly, Roll, huh? I had no reaction to the Red Wedding. <laughs> uh, wow. Jordan Calloway, if you are listening to this, uh, apparently, according to Rohan, you need to start submitting your resumes to other shows, uh, like right now, because you're dying soon. Okay. Um, <laughs> Professor X, yeah, right. how would you rate this episode? Uh, I give it an 8.5. I thought it was really good, but uh, it was too much too much the start of an arc. It was setting pieces in place. What will be the consequences of the uh, the 14, uh, you know, green light babies uh, coming out? Uh, you know, what will be the consequences of moving the uh, the clinic? What is going on? Uh, with Tobias. It felt to me more like uh, setting pieces in place uh, than executing. And part of it, too, is just, you know, and, and again, this this plays off the idea that, you know, because it's a uh, a comic book show, we don't believe that, that Gamby is dead. If Gamby is dead, then I would rate it more highly. But because we don't know for sure, and again, there's we have no reason to suspect that Gamby is not dead, except that it's a damn comic book show. So, of course, we don't think Gamby's dead. Uh, if he is dead, I will. I reserve the right to go back and 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 bump this up. But if he's not dead, then they just manipulated us for no reason, and uh, and and that's kind of a jerk move. But still, I mean, it, it was it was well acted. It was interesting, but I felt it was too much putting pieces in play, uh, you know, uh, rather than dealing with stuff. Uh, so for me, eight point five. Okay, so if he is dead, though, what would you give it? Just out if, of curiosity. If he is dead, I would probably okay. If if okay, I. You know, if if he was dead and we found out he was dead in this episode, I'd give it a ten, because that is a significant moment and a significant impact on the major characters. But the fact that we don't know for sure, and uh, and as I say, uh, you know, the writers may just be playing us because they know we have that suspicion because it is a comic book show. But uh, that's my only reason for not going higher is that I suspect they are doing that to us. Okay, so we've got a ten. We've got an 8.5. Dimitri, obviously, uh, based on his uh, verbal exclamation, uh, does not agree. So, Dimitri, it's your turn to rate it. How would you rate this episode? I'm guessing Dimitri's coming in around a 7. You are 100% a hater. But <laughs> I... So, I am going to uh, give this episode a force field... Not that it electrical didn't have force its field. issue. Electrical force field. It's not that it didn't have its issues, but if this is a death, it is probably the best death I have ever seen on a TV show. Like, we all the way felt this death. And if it's not a death, then it is the best fake out I've ever seen on a TV show. Like, we went through all the different stages of grief in this episode. I've never done that in a TV show. It's like grief and then move on to vengeance or grief and then move on to new plot point or, you know, sad for a minute and here's a distracting thing to take your mind off of it. And we just, you know, the emotional arc, I think Rohan said it the best that, you know, they sort of use the trope to like give you this glimmer of hope and then play with taking it away again. It's just 
plus Cress Williams' amazing performance in Gamby's house. It's just for no other reason than I don't think I've ever seen a uh, a death on a TV show this or a lot of movies like, but definitely a TV show that's this emotionally impactful. I don't, I don't think I've seen it so. Uh, it deserves an electrical force field for that reason. Alrighty, so we've got an 8.5, a 10, and an electrical force field. And I guess I'm going to continue the trend of uh, not really agreeing with anyone, at least numerical-wise, because I'm going to give it a solid 9. I like the episode. Um, let's be real difference between maybe even an eight and a half a nine a ten and an electrical force field it really is all subjective on how you felt about the episode i thought it was a nine i went into it not went into it but at the end of the episode i thought nine at the start of this podcast i thought nine and uh, now that i'm saying it i'm still stuck with nine it was a solid episode Uh, a lot happened a lot of really interesting stuff happened and uh some unique twists and turns, some very uh, confusing stuff, and confusing in a good way, like the whole Grace Powers thing, the uh, Ooze people. I- I'm very fascinated in finding out what's going to happen there, as well as now that the Pod people seem to be safe. I'm curious about that. I'm still in denial about Gamby, so whether you all like it or not, I do hope he is alive and kicking. And uh, I'm really fascinated by what they're doing with Whale. I do hope he's, you know, Whale for mayor. I I think that might be a very interesting storyline. And since he's wanting to be a lot more public, I feel like that's the route he could go. I don't see him going back into, like, the council, like the city council and that kind of stuff. I think he's going to aim for a bigger prize. And uh, I don't think he'll go for governor. I think he wants to be mayor of Freeland. So, uh stay tuned with that so for all those reasons and and so much more i I just thought it was a really solid episode so i'm going to give it nine electrical bolts so on that note join us next time for a brand new installment of the freeland gazette once again here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us like us on facebook facebook.com slash the freeland gazette follow poppy chula radio on social media we are on facebook instagram Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for the Freeland Gazette and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night. Good night, and I'm not your handbag. Stay safe, Freeland. <laughs> Professor Arx, can you say that again? That was amazing. Good night, was and I'm not your great. handbag. 
You know what? I, I reserve the right to go back if I ever find out what I'm not your handbag means. Maybe I'll bump it up even higher than a 10. But until I know what that line means. You know what it means. I do not know what it means. It means you can't pick me up and put me down. But the oh. line, the, she said, I'm not your handbag, you know. So what, you just have, you just pick up your handbag and have sex with it? Is that what you do with a handbag? Don't answer that question. I think he does. Good but... night, Freeland. I said good night. Yes, thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of the Freeland Gazette every Thursday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Papi Chulo Radio Archives. Good night, and I'm not your handbag. <laughs>